Hello everyone, welcome to episode 7 of John's Basement. I'm here today in my basement. And what you actually just listened to is my new intro. Very, very happy to have one. It's very cool. Uh, if you listened to my episode last week, you actually would have heard the artist who made it. Uh, it was made by Matt Crane, who I plugged last week. So huge shout out to Matt for that awesome intro. I'm very excited to use it in all the episodes going forward. And uh, I'm going to give him a little shout out too. Um, if you listened to him last week, you know he's an artist himself, but he also mixes and masters and does a lot of producing. So if you're an artist, you need someone to master your upcoming release and you don't know how to do that yourself, fret not. Reach out to Matt Crane, um, super talented dude, um, very nice guy, and I went to high school with him, and I vouch for him, and uh, I'll give you his uh, his Instagram so you can DM him for all of your mixing, mastering, production-related needs. It's Make It Crane on Instagram. That is Make It Crane, spelt K-R-A-N-E. Thanks again, Matt, for that intro, and I'm going to roll right into this episode. The first artist that I'm going to be featuring today is actually also the guitarist of my band. His name is Nick Spatero. He goes under the alias Nick Spat. And this is his debut single off of his solo project, which is just under his own name, called Body On Me. Um, a hometown hit, if you would. Uh, so yeah, huge shout out to Nick, my very talented guitarist who also masters all of our songs now. And we are in the process of... Uh, furthering Spitfire's discography, which I'll get to later. Um, so yeah, here is Body On Me by Nick Spat. Put your body on 
comfortably say that body on me is a vibe and a very good vibe at that um thanks again nick for keeping your talents out there in the world and writing all your tunes and thanks again for being in my band and writing and mastering my tunes um very very helpful <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean, if I'm going to talk about Nick a little bit, I went to high school with Nick. It's really funny because I remember Nick was always the really talented, popular kid that I was afraid of because I thought he would want nothing to do with me. And in around, I think it was junior year of high school, the two of us were in a, a college-level history class together, and that's where we, we kind of met officially, and we talked a lot in that class. And by talking a lot, I mean, like, barely talked, but... We did talk, and I remember um, back then Buster was drumming for me pretty frequently. I didn't have, like, an official band yet. It was just kind of, Michael was, Michael had, like, by that point basically been my bassist, but it was still, like, technically, like, called my solo project. And uh, Buster was filling in on the drums because he's a good guy like that. And I remember there was, uh, we had an upcoming show, and I was, like, to Nick, I said, Hey, um, I know you play guitar really well. And I'm a big fan. And I was wondering, would you want to join my band? 
um, playing one song or two songs at our upcoming show. And he was like super into the idea. We played our song Heard Again. And I just sang for that one. That was the first time I think I got to put the guitar down for Spitfire. And um, we also did a cover of Aerosmith's song, Same Old Song and Dance, which was really fun. A nice little classic rock jam that we got to do as a band. And that was uh, this is the first time that Spitfire saw a four-piece, too, I think. That was really fun. Um, and then fast forward about a year later... Um, I had, by this point, Michael and Jake were official member, official members of Spitfire, and we were planning a tour, and I wanted him to play for, like, the full show, for at least one show, and I was like, hey, can you do it? And he was like, yeah, absolutely, and the show went really well. At that point, it was most definitely, like, our most insane crowd, and it was really good. People, like, reacted really well, and everyone loves seeing Nick, um. A lot of people came just to see him, so that was awesome. And uh, then we added like three more shows to that rotation, and he was like, when's the next show? And I was like, do you want to be in the next show? And he was like, hell yeah. And from there on, um, he's been like the official member of my band, and I'm very happy. He's a very cool guy, and I'm very happy to have his talents on my team. The next song that I am about to play for you guys is called Robot by a band called Depressed from the Florida area. They are a signed Rugrat Records artist, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. 
once again. That was Robot by a band from Florida called Depressed. They are a Rugrat Records signed artist, making them our second Rugrat artist to be featured on this radio show slash podcast. I'm very happy to put them on the show. Uh, Their bio that I was also sent that they wanted me to read is Depressed is an American rock band located in Bunnell, Florida. The band was formed in 2017 by the guitarist and vocalist Samuel P. Esquire and drummer Ty Leadfoot Luth under the name Couch Change. Joined in 2018 by bassist Zach Jameson, the band changed their name to Depressed and was later joined by guitarist The Savage. Depressed, alongside Ron Lung, opened their studio, Broken Step Record, oop, Broken Step Studio, excuse me, in 2019. The band released their full-length debut album, Before AC, through Broken Step Studio in April of 2020. Also, they love beer. Their album, Before AC, can be found on Bandcamp, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, thanks again to Depressed and Rugrat Records for submitting their songs. Um, check them out. That's going to take me into our third and final artist for tonight's episode. This is a band that I met, actually, at a music festival at the Jersey Shore back in, I think, 2017. But it's not their native two. They are actually from Indiana, and they are an awesome super group of very talented musicians called the Indigos, and I am a huge fan of their sound. It is so many things thrown into one, but I will let you... Uh, decide that for yourselves um i'll read their bio in a couple of seconds after i play it but this song that i'm going to play is one of my favorite songs of all time happens to be by them called the groove by the indigos hope you guys like it
The Indigos are one of my favorite bands that I have come into contact with through playing music myself. As I previously touched upon, I met them at the Jersey Shore Music Festival back in, I think, 2017 when I was playing with my band Fracture. We were staying at a condo up the street from where the festival was being held, and I remember walking out the front door and hearing this woman's voice that I thought was so mesmerizing that I literally felt like I was being possessed by a Pied Piper of sorts, and I walked all the way down to where they were performing in the parking lot of the motel where I actually had stayed the year prior when I played that festival, one of the motels that sponsors the whole festival, the Hershey Motel. They are so talented, and they're made up of a lot of different members from what I understand, and Macy Ann uh, is a singer who I think does other stuff, but she features with them a lot. She's technically a member of the band, and uh, she had such a powerful voice that it literally drove me to walking like a couple of blocks from where we were staying to just watch the performance that they were putting on and they were so nice um I ended up actually buying a, a t-shirt from them not a t-shirt I bought a tank and I still wear it a lot when I work out so that's a fun fact that you didn't need um but yes the Indigos super talented band you should definitely check them out I'm gonna read their bio from their Spotify page the Indigos are a 10-piece funk rock band from Muncie, Indiana. The unique sound of the band stems from the diversity of influences from which the members draw. This resulting wall of sound is an eclectic mix of a funk rock core wrapped with choral vocals and a full horn section with hints of metal tastefully sprinkled throughout. The Indigos have played well over 100 shows in the past two years, including venues such as the Viper Room on the Sunset Strip in Hollywood, California, the Vogue Theater in Indianapolis, Indiana, the Indiana State Fair, and Valparaiso, Indiana's Popcorn Fest, in addition to 2016 fair and festival convention showcases for Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Indiana. Drawing inspiration from virtually all styles and periods of music led to the development of the signature band of full vocal and horn sections. Incorporating these sections into the band has given a vibrancy and presence to the music that great vocals and standard rock instrumentation alone cannot produce. As a part of being an indigo, the band serves as a creative platform, drawing in talented artists from all walks of life to collaborate on doing what they love. Whether someone loves photography, video creation, sound design, web design, fashion merchandising, or countless other creative endeavors, the band does what it can to feature and support the work of as many artists as possible. The indigos believe that they are here to make the world a better place through their music. Once again, that is the Indigos from Indiana. I am a huge fan. You should absolutely check them out. The song that I just played by them is The Groove. And I am now going to go into the final segment of today's episode, which is an interview that I did with my bassist, once again, Michael Simon, also known as Bulletproof Mike. Here we go. Ahoy there, Miguel. It's good. How's it going? Thanks for having <laughs> me on the show again. Very welcome. Thanks for being on the show again. Um, of course. You caught me right after a nap, so it was like a good time. Perfect time. All right. So you were here in a previous episode, but now it's a radio show too. So look at that. Damn, look at that. That is, that's tight. I hope you know I'm going to refer to you as a a recurring co-host after last episode when you recorded the outro for me. I'm a co-host now? Hell yeah. We got it. You can put it on your LinkedIn now. 
Oh, I actually do have to update my LinkedIn. Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. My dad told me I should this morning when I was talking about today's episode. Um, I just have to put like radio in it. Me too. <laughs> Look at that. Two sides of the same coin. What would you say is your favorite part and least favorite part of the recording process, both in the quarantine period and in the ordinary period when we're all at Jake's or Nick's house doing it? Um, my, I'll start with quarantine first. Because my favorite part is like, I can sit with a part for as long as I want and like really make sure it's like what I want to do. Especially because like the way we, we record is like you show us a song, we practice it five times, give or take, and then you record. And then you take three different takes. So you can do different things on each of those takes, but then you can't mess up on any of like the takes if you're doing th- different things. So I really like, I, I think it's, you can see with like the new tracks, like they're, the parts are more elaborate, like they're moving more than they are in the, the other ones. So that's cool. Uh, but my least favorite part is messing up because I will get like three quarters of the way through a song and then I'll mess up and I have to go all the way back to the beginning. And I think it was Jordan Rudess told me one time, um, he only knows like, like this is for when he's practicing for shows, but it works for recording too. He only knows he's like ready to record and he's ready to do anything when he's played it three times in a row without messing up. And so I kind of keep that with recording and practicing for shows and stuff. Um, So that's my least favorite part. In person, my favorite part is just like the energy of being there um, because it's just really fun. I also really like seeing Nick and Jake scramble trying to figure out what's happening because they don't want to ask Jake's dad. My least favorite part is after I record my part, I'm kind of like, I don't do any audio like mixing. So I record like second or third, no, usually second. And then it's a wait city for like until everyone else finishes their three takes or more. And that's, that's not counting like the wait it takes to get everything working. It's like always a good hour. Yeah, it is. It's like a, it's like a long time. And then like, it's always like when you need social media to be active that like it never is. So like I'll be like ref- I'll like refresh my Twitter like twenty times and it's the same post on top because just nothing's happening. But I'm so bored that like I need something to happen. But I do like uh, when we order Burger King to Jake's house. The best. That's that's a fun time. Burger King during a recording session is Burger King like no other time to eat Burger King. It's strangely never enough Burger King. Oh, it's never enough. And, like, we always order more than we would typically. Yeah, it's just never enough. I don't know what it is. If I go to a Burger King just, like, to go to Burger Burger King, I would be like, all right, I'm just going to get a burger, and that's it. But, like, when when we're recording, it's usually, like, we're usually recording for several hours. And I remember I ordered Burger King because it's cheaper, it's close. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get onion rings, fries, a burger. Yes, like two burgers, the onion rings, the fries, the zesty sauce, and McFlurry. We get a McFlurry from Burger King. (laughs) You know, I think next time when the world's normal, we should get uh, White Castle. Oh, my God. I went went to White Castle once to have the Impossible Burger. 
because they say that there. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's White Castle. Like, it exists. I got the vibe from being there once. You know, it's interesting. White Castle makes, like, frozen burgers that you can heat up, and it tastes exactly the same. And I got that, like, one year at my family on, like, New Year's Eve. And strangely, it really hit. But otherwise, I don't know who in their right mind would be like, yeah, let's go to fucking White Castle. Yo, my dad used to love White Castle back when he was, like, a meat eater. There's, like, he tells the story whenever, like, anyone brings up White Castle, like, fast food in general. Fucking, this is not about music at all, so I'm going to tell it really quick. Um, So, like, my uh, my dad was a music journalist, right? And so he would be, like, doing interviews. He'd, like, he'd go to concerts and stuff, but he'd come home late, and then obviously White Castle was there, it was open. So he would go, he would get White Castle. And apparently one time he came home and he walked in the door, like, he walked into, like, his room. My mom was there, they were dating by this point. And she went, take a shower, because he smelled like White Castle, and she did not want it. It definitely has uh, an odor to it, I will not deny. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, while we're on the music-related-to-food um, category. Taco Bell, Feed the Beat, please sponsor us. Um, I love you. I was going to shout out Dunkin' Donuts, because I truthfully don't think I've ever gone through any recording session of any sort without getting coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. The one we slept over, we had Starbucks. We didn't have Dunkin'. No, I got a Dunkin'. You had Dunkin'? Okay. Yeah. I got, one of the, I got one of the refrigerated ones that you could... Um, no, those were the Starbucks ones. You got, we got them from CVS. CVS. I got a Dunkin' one. All right. I don't mess with that. My memory fails. Nah, Duncan, sponsor us. I love you. I love Duncan. I'm such a fan of Duncan. Duncan is like, I have Duncan Donuts ground coffee upstairs. I, I make a whole cup before I like I try to record anything. Um, when I was in Fracture and we would record, like one of us would leave at one point, come back with like two coffees per person. Both of them were like large coffees because like you're prepared to spend the entire day if you're recording. Dunkin' is the only uh, prepared coffee I drink. Like, I'll have, like, Keurigs and stuff while I'm home. But you know that, like, four to six, two dollar uh, latte. Uh, get that iced latte. Mm-mm-mm. Deal ever. That shit was... God bless. All right, anyway, to get back on topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm going to cut that whole part. Oh, no, it's all going in. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I would like to... I'll, I'll, I'll cut out the part about... Duncan, but <laughs> but what Your I Taco Bell sponsor us. Please but like... Taco Bell. Um, what I will mention though is, um, I would like to talk about. So this is for fans of not only Spitfire but especially Bulletproof Mike. Get to the gig. Get to the gig. So do you want to like the origins of that? Get everything on. Get to the gig here. All right. Um, I. It was when we were doing shows, so it was sophomore year, because that, yeah, that's when I started posting, because we were doing them at the Nyack Center, so sophomore year, um, I had this quirky thing called white boy depression, so I listened to a lot of, like, mom jeans, and uh, also, on the same label mom jeans is on, there's this band Retirement Party, and Retirement Party is so good. Oh, when's this coming out? Tonight. Oh, uh. On Friday, Retirement Party comes out with a new album, Runaway Dog, Stream Runaway Dog. Uh, 
anyway, so I like I was following their Twitter, and I could I can find it probably, but they posted a meme where it I don't remember anything else about the meme, but it was like it was like a starter pack, and they had like Chucky from All Grown Up on it, and the words like get to the gig, and I was like, hold up, <laughs> like wait a minute. And so I just started saying that at, like, every show, like, regardless of, like, if I was playing it or if we just, like, uh, put it together. And uh, I don't think that we've we've done a show where I haven't posted yet to the gig. Oh, no, we did one, and it was a bad show. Yeah. I think it's, like, the good luck charm. I have to post get to the gig a good luck charm. for every show. It's literally a good omen. I remember that because I remember the Delancey gig that we played was like by all <laughs> the worst gig we've ever played. It's also coming up on its one year anniversary, I think, in two days. Um, it was, God bless. That show for so many reasons. I have all the Polaroids from that show right here. It was awful. I remember we got there. We were in, oh, that's, that's, the, that's the one at uh, Dead End's release party. That was the one in Teaneck. That, oh, I thought that was Delancey. No, that was... Oh, uh, the Delancey was the, our first New York show. Yeah, duh, that was Debonair Music Hall in Jersey. That show yeah. wasn't great, but I just think that a mix of our music choice for it didn't go over as well, and it wasn't our crowd. Yeah, it was definitely um, their crowd. But, uh, no, the Delancey sucked because... I'm not saying at the venue, I'm saying that show sucked because... Um, I remember, it was on like a I Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. Yeah, that was the starters because at like five p.m. Yeah, they they so the Delancey has a rule, and a lot of Manhattan venues are like this. They have a rule that if you're under twenty-one, you can play a venue usually, but you can't bring under twenty-one guests, no matter what time it is, unless it's like a Sunday show, um, which is why the Knitting Factory lets us play and bring people. But the Delancey doesn't do Sundays; they do Saturdays which also sound the group does, but we're under 21, so we can't do it yet, unfortunately. But um, I remember that was awful because I could only sell like four tickets. So, cause it was a Wednesday night and it was under 20, it was a 21 plus show. So anyone that would have come for us on a Wednesday was under 21. So they couldn't come. So we yeah. went basically to an empty room. It was like literally the sound guy, my two aunts and my dad, your dad, and Sean. Sean and Sean and Sam. Yeah, and Sam showed up, and we didn't think she was going to. Yeah, and that was, like, it. That was the whole crowd. And then within, like, the first song, I broke a string. Yeah, um, the fucking string. Rick was having trouble with the volume on his amp, and the sound guy was like, no, 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 it's fine. I'll adjust it. But it was, like, so much louder than my amp. So I couldn't hear myself for, like, the entire show, too. Um, and then also... I think Jake broke a stick. I don't think that's ever happened to Jake at a show that I've played with him in like the literal like five going on six years that I've been in a band with Jake. I've never seen him break a, show, a stick at a show before. Um, and it was just, and then they kicked us out like immediately after we played because we were under 21. They're like, you have to leave. And I was like, can we just wait till my dad gets here with the car? And they're like, nope. So we had to like wait on the side of the street. And we were still all psyched. We were like, we played New York City. We were all happy. Yeah. Worse. And then, like, we got in the car, and, like, it slowly, like, dawned on us, yeah. like, how bad it was. Oh, it was awful. I I did make a post for that, yeah, but it wasn't Get to the Gig. That was the show. So, like, that's that's when we realized Get to the Gig is the, the good luck charm of Spitfire. Yeah. 
I've posted Get to the Gig literally seconds before we go on stage. And it matters. But, like, it, it works. It does its thing. I think um, if we ever play, like, stadiums or whatever, I'll still post Get to the Gig. Like, I think that's just one of those things. I want to see it at, like, Madison Square Garden, like, get to the gig Jake playing the drums like in a warm-up and you just like get to the gig on an instagram boomerang no that's tacky as hell i i take those static shots bulletproof simon official <laughs> that's <laughs> disgusting i would also like to talk about bulletproof mike your official alter ego uh yes i just got an email from pace financial aid um <laughs> let's go Bulletproof Mike uh, happened one day because you were bored. It, ha- it literally has no origin besides you were bored and you can't fuck with Jake or Nick. But, like, you know you can fuck with me. It's not can dumb. I swear? Of course you can swear. I put the explicit setting on these. All right. Um, fuck. So, yeah, you just said you were going to, like, mess with me. And then... I don't remember if, like, you texted it to me or I found out one day, like, organically. Because, like, I check, like, every day, like, our about page to see, like, our playlists and whatnot. But it just said, Bulletproof Mike. And then I texted you. I was like, please take it down. And you said, no. I said, no. I said once, I think at the time it was... Ah, was it growing up? I said, once growing up reaches a thousand streams, I'll take it down. And then we hit 2,000 streams, and it's still up. It's just still up. I, did you take it? You took down that I would, aka the enemy, right? I took out the enemy, yes. That's got its uh, own little story about it, but we'll save that for another episode. We'll save that for another episode. um yeah so that's where bulletproof mike comes from Uh, i really do think like i like i'm gonna get shot because of that well you won't die because you're bulletproof like i think i'm gonna get like john lennon just i don't think so because it'll just bounce off of you and you'll be fine no but like someone will be like oh yeah he's bulletproof i can shoot him and then like i get shot i'm dead the end see but if we're at that level like everyone knows you as bulletproof mike so you die like super successful and famous yeah but like i don't want to get shot i'm giving you a martyr story man dude i don't like needles can you imagine what a bullet would do to me (laughs) nothing because you're bulletproof that's fair all right next question no um i would like to point out though that i think i actually changed it back to just mike simon on the about page but sound the groove shout out to our beloved um regular booking agency that we use to play in brooklyn we love um, you sound the groove sound the groove asked for a bio um so they can add us to their website so i copied the about page from our spotify not thinking about it and i think it had the enemy up there too at that point so forever <laughs> will sound the groove have um bulletproof mike aka the enemy on their official website whenever anyone looks on their website of artists to find out about us i have okay no bulletproof mike is still on the about page oh word oh we're on a new playlist are we? the best bellboy 
Very cool. Um, I have a I have a sad story for you. Let's hear it. That page is gone. <gasps> I think it'll come back next time we book a show with them. Wait, what pages? The Spitfire page uh, on Sound the Groove. Oh, you've been blacklisted. Oh. Nah, probably it's it's probably under construction. I actually have been meaning to reach out to them because they're doing live streams, and I'd love to be on one. Yes, sir. Uh, major shout out to them. Thank um, you, Jonathan Avila, Sound the Groove. Really cool dude. Sup, Meng? I love that guy. Sup, Meng? Um, we fully picked that up off of him. I did. It's great. It's like my favorite thing to say. What's up, man? The story behind that is John Avila, Avila, I think, actually. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is the CEO of the booking agency Sound the Groove, as we formally have just mentioned. Um, he texted me at like right after New Year's with like the words, like a very excited text message, like, sup, Mang, are you ready to conquer the world in 2020? Because I am. And it was like the best energy that I've ever gotten from a text message. I was like, I have to match this energy. I was like, hell yeah, I'm ready. And then the COVID-19 pandemic. It's like but anyone corny as fuck to say like anything about vibes, but his vibes are fucking immaculate great they're the best i literally have never like spoken to this dude but like he's just so tight he's on the west coast and i love him he's like one of my favorite people to work too ready too ready ah and then there's kaz the coolest dude on the block yeah kaz is tight he's just he knows what he wants to do at his show and like i respect that it happens i love him i love sound the group um yeah i'm tagging yeah (laughs) Um, so yes, next, uh, topic, uh, I would like to talk to you about our upcoming releases, any songs that you would like to talk about that you want the world to look out for? Um, so the techno song, I think that's really going to throw our listeners for a loop. What about the, what about the folk rock with the folk rock epic? Yeah. Like that comb- that seamlessly transitions into a baroque pop outro. That shit is crazy, dog. <laughs> um, no, um, I put this on Twitter, but like the part for good vibrations, like it's so easy, but like it makes me so happy. It's a good song. Like it's like an uplifting song, which for us I feel like is very different. Yeah, considering all of our songs about suicide and heartbreak whoa 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 only like and our songs are and the skies <laughs> and growing up and whatnot no good vibrations is just like a it's a fun song the part like makes me smile um yeah i think it's gonna be an interesting album lp2 and uh can't wait to see how we name it me too. We don't even know. Don't know. I'm really siding towards New York is on fire. New York sound fire. <laughs> no, I was thinking about something though. I was really thinking about the concept of using like an image from like Times Square being completely empty and it just being no, like, is we can't something. But yeah, no. But then I'm like, nah. I don't want. I don't want this album to be like. Like I want this album to come out 
and I want it to be known that we made an album during the pandemic, but I don't want this album to become more like propaganda for the pandemic, if that makes yeah. sense. No, the thing is, like, no one's going to want to talk about the pandemic. Like, it's not going to be fun. You can't market literally anything ar- about it. Right. You People want escapism right now. People don't want to talk about the yeah. bad shit that's happening right yeah. now. They're not dealing with it. They want to they wanna get their minds off of it for yeah. an hour. Yeah. And I'm uh, anyway. hoping that our new album <laughs> provides the means to do that. Me as well. So what are you recording on? Let's see, the, let's see that axe. All right. Um, or I guess let's talk about it because for our audio listeners, they cannot see it. So this is my Music Man five string uh, Stingray. Uh, I love it. It's currently tuned. I have stepped down. Anyway, here's Longview. Uh, <laughs> fucking no, it's like good. I love this bass. Uh, my dad got it from a Facebook marketplace group because um, there's like a tiny problem with like the middle knob. Uh, he got it last summer and he did not tell my mom he bought it at the time. Now she knows, but that's a little fun story. Um, I don't know. I love it a lot. I couldn't really tell you about the pickups or anything, but I play. What? I just love that it's a five string. We have a five string in our band. Yeah. Ow. I now also have a six string. Oh my god. Also from Facebook Marketplace. Um the input is broken on it, so I haven't really gotten a chance to plug it in and play around with it, like plugged in, but like I do play. Also the E is a little fucked up. So six-string bass, just like a guitar, just down an octave? Yeah. Okay. That's how this one is tuned. There's, like, different tunings for six-string basses, but this one specifically is, like, guitar. Very interesting. Like, I see the headstock of it, and I'm just, like, I keep thinking it's a guitar, but it's not. It's simply... It's not. It's just a bass. Gigantic bass. Just a Fender 2. It's a squire. It's a squire. Honestly, Squire basses hit. Like they're they fun do. to play. I have a lot of fun playing this, even though I can't plug it in. I've been having a lot of fun with um the Hard Luck Kings guitar that I got around my birthday. Um, the pickups are like decent. Um, for a guitar that I spent under two hundred dollars for, it's definitely a good purchase. Yeah. Um, but I love it. The neck is so like thick. It's like a very um, Les Paul-esque kind of neck, and I love that so much. Um, so shout out to Hard Luck Kings, if they're listening. They probably aren't, but I'll tag them in this anyway. Yes, um, sir. I, I do love that guitar. I'm really bummed out. I wanted to play it live because it's so pretty. Um, it's a red. It's called the Hard Luck King Spider. It's a red, like, Thunderbird shape, and I love it a lot. Um, I might record with it because it, it does sound good and I could do some uh, some nice chord work on it. I've been uh, miking up my, my deluxe hot rod amp for some of the songs, but I also, I think for By the Bridge, I actually recorded my guitar parts on the, the Black Star mini travel amp that I have, which is like surprisingly really good with like getting a good tone for such a tiny little thing. It sounds like a tube amp. 
It's a shame too. Oh, and I also use a Scarlet, uh, a Focusrite Scarlet 2i4 uh, DI box into Ableton Live 9 Lite, and that's how I record. I started using Reaper as, um, as of, I think, a week and a half ago. Um, Sam Miller, who I will be featuring on this podcast in hopefully next week's episode, um, he is in his own band called Chasing Sunsets, but more well-known for having his Instagram account formerly Divide by Zero, now just Sam Miller Guitar. And he's got like close to 12,000 followers on that account. Um, he posts like daily covers and he has such a specific but like accurate ear for tone and uh he's really smart with um production and he was like what are you mixing in and i said audacity and i'm like i know everyone shits on me for it and he's like no audacity can work it just doesn't work for you and i was like huh because uh i sent him a vocal part we did a we were working on a cover for like an instagram video of breaking the girl by the chili peppers and for some reason, every time I exported the file to him, it sounded so much better on my end, but it sounded like it came through on my laptop speakers for his end. Interesting. So he tried it. He's like, all right, this is what you're going to do. Get Reaper. It's free. So much better. And he showed me how to use Reaper and I did it. And it's like a million times better. So I don't know if a DAW can really have like a difference in quality, but mm-hmm. I really strongly feel like Reaper sounds better than Audacity because for some reason, my mic just doesn't record as like, as fragile on it like i don't peak at all but i haven't changed any mic settings like i just simply went from like audacity to reaper with everything else consistent and it just sounds like 10 times better it's like crazy so bulletproof mic do you have yes, a statement for our listeners this is going to be live on the air in about three and a half hours anything to say to them uh Please stream Spitfire. Respect each other. Um, yeah, just be good to people. Like, it's not hard. That's it. Oh, stay the fuck inside. And this concludes episode seven of John's Basement Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you're on WCOV.live, thank you for listening. And if you're listening to this as it is uploaded to Spotify and Quadio later on, thank you for listening also. Um, I'm going to play myself out my song Dance by my band Spitfire. And thank you for being a wonderful audience. Have a wonderful night, everyone.
Just listen to John's basement with Nick Spat. Oh, wait, do it again. All right, because I, I, there's too big of a pause. Ready? <clears throat> you just listened to John's basement with Nick Spat, Depressed, the Indigos, and me, Michael Simon. Stay the fuck inside.